You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to start off with a recipe for spinach and chickpeas. First off, this dish is not called spinach and chickpeas. It's espinacas con garbanzos. Don't you agree? Spinach and chickpeas is something you eat because you should. It's healthy and you aspire to be. Espinacas con garbanzos is something you can eat because it sounds sexy and doesn't taste half bad either. It's hearty and smoky with a little kick. You eat it on little fried bread toasts at a tapas bar in Spain. Or, you know, in New York City on another brutally rainy March night. My friend Ang had a tapas potluck last Friday. The baby ditched us for a better party at his grandparents' house. And yes, I brought a Spanish dish to a Spanish party that did not include a single format of pork. Wild. Hey, I figured others would have the chorizos and camon serranos covered. Me, I wanted some Spanish comfort food. I've tried a version of this dish a few years ago, thanks to the sweet nudging of Zimena at Lobster Squad, and I instantly loved it. It sounds like it would be too simple to hold your interest, perhaps something you'd eat because you ought to, but it tastes like something you'll crave again and again. To make the dish, I used a blend of Jimena's recipe and the fancier restaurant version in Moro, the cookbook, a book I'm going to confess that I cannot open very often because I immediately want to make every single thing in it right that very second, and this crashes into the reality of being pressed for time and the longing. It's actually painful. No, I am not being melodramatic. Feta salad with spinach, crisp bread, sumac, and pine nuts chestnut and chorizo soup, seared sirloin salad with barley and grapes, and let's not forget that these are the same folks behind one of my favorite dishes on earth, this warm butternut squash and chickpea salad with tahini dressing. So, do you get it now? Ah, I've digressed again. Good food distracts me like that. I think you'll really like this dish. So, espinacas con garbanzos, also known as spinach and chickpeas. This is adapted from Moro, the cookbook, and Lobster Squad. One of the reasons I blended recipes was because I wanted the approachability of Jimena's version, but also some of the extras in Moro's. The vinegar, paprika, and the fried bread mashed to a paste. Except in hindsight, I think I'd also enjoy this recipe without the bread, it would be a bit thinner and saucier and possibly harder to slop onto a piece of toast, but it also might be a little bit lighter in weight, not just in calories. If you're bread averse or think you'd enjoy it without the crumbs in the sauce, give it a spin and let us know how it goes. Tomato sauce, by the way, is emphatically not traditional in this dish, but after making Jimena's version with it, she says, you don't have to use tomato in this recipe, but it's so much better with it. I can't have it any other way. Last note, this recipe is flexible. If you end up with a little less spinach or a little more sauce, or if you want it with a little less of this or that or more of this or that, so be it. Enjoy it and have fun with it. It serves four. You'll need a half pound of dried chickpeas cooked until soft and tender, or two 15-ounce cans of chickpeas drained and rinsed. Six tablespoons of olive oil, one pound of spinach, washed, 
a hefty one inch slice from a country loaf or about two slices from sandwich loaf bread, crusts removed and cut in small cubes. One half cup of tomato sauce, I use the canned stuff that I keep around, three garlic cloves, thinly sliced, one half teaspoon of ground cumin, pinch of red pepper flakes, one and a half tablespoons of red wine vinegar, one half teaspoon of smoked paprika, salt and freshly ground black pepper, and lemon juice to taste. Place a large saucepan over medium heat and add half the olive oil. When it's hot, add the spinach with a pinch of salt in batches if necessary and stir well. Remove when the leaves are just tender, drain in a colander and set aside. Heat two more tablespoons of olive oil in a frying pan over medium heat. Fry the bread for about five minutes or until golden brown all over, then the remaining tablespoon of oil and the garlic, cumin, and pepper. Cook for one minute or more until the garlic is nutty brown. Transfer to a food processor, blender, or mortar and pestle, along with the vinegar, and mash to a paste. Return the mixture to the pan and add the drained chickpeas and tomato sauce. Stir until the chickpeas have absorbed the flavors and are hot, seasoned with salt and pepper. If the consistency is a little thick, add some water. Add the spinach and cook until it's hot. Check for seasoning and serve with paprika on top or on fried bread toasts as the Spanish do. Here's a note. I make all of my dried beans in the slow cooker these days. They are perfect every time and the flavor of fresh beans, even the sad looking ones from the grocery store bins I used, is incomparable. No pre-soaking, just cover them in two to three inches of water and cook them three hours on high. I have learned that cooking time can vary wildly in slow cookers, so a lot more time than you might need. I often make mine in the day or days before and let them cool in their cooking water, which is by then very, very flavorful. And next, this might be my favorite ingredient on earth. It's amazing on eggs and potatoes too, and if you can't find it locally, Amazon and Penzi's are among a bunch of places that sell it online, and that's for the smoked paprika that Deb's referring to. Next recipe, roasted squash and tofu with ginger, also from Smitten Kitchen. I didn't mean to disappear on you, but I intended to start the year with soup, as I always do. I made a lovely but not lovely enough winter minestrone and then a red lentil situation, but neither really seemed to spotlight worthy, and it can be hard sometimes, but I really don't want to publish anything here that I don't want to sing from the rooftops about. All of our time is worth more than that. While I was debating my next soup move, my friend texted and said, Can you believe the wedding is two weeks away? And I bolted straight up in bed because, well, no, I could not believe it at all. I mean, I knew I told her I'd make her wedding cake. We'd discuss the head count and flavors they liked. I had a loose idea of it in my mind and looked forward to really getting started on it in a couple of weeks. Needless to say, this is where the rest of January went, and I'm going to tell you all about it next week because it's going through some rigorous retesting and is going to be worth the wait because it's probably one of the most delicious cakes I have ever made. But still, let's never go on a break again. So the other kind of thing you miss very much when you're three KitchenAid bowls deep in buttercream is vegetables, especially those coated in salt, acid, and heat. 
And I received the wonderful Diana Henry's She's of Bird in the Hand and How to Eat a Peach fame for highly cookable recipes. In her most recent cookbook, From the Oven to the Table, Full of Sheet Pan-ish Meals, last fall, and my favorite thing happened, I immediately bookmarked four dishes. This is what we always hope will, that will instantly shake off a cooking rut that we may not even have realized we were in at the suggestion of something new. I made the salsiccia con patate e pomodoro, wonderful, melting baked onions, I think I overcooked them, but the potential is definitely there, toad in the hole with leeks and cheddar, that'll be coming soon, and a Persian spiced spatch cooked kitchen, chicken, (laughs) ditto, and now this, this is fantastic. I have never combined tofu and winter squash before, but it was my loss. Both are coated with a soy sauce, honey ginger mixture, plus chili flakes to taste, and roasted halfway, and then you spoon a lot of garlic oil over it so it gets toasty in the second half of cooking, but it doesn't burn. When it comes out of the oven, you scatter it with a threefer of sesame seeds, scallions, and lime juice. And you guys, my 10-year-old asked for leftovers of this in his lunchbox today. I cannot offer a dish any higher accolades than that. Well, technically, if my much pickier 4-year-old had asked for it, I'd probably have to be carried out on a stretcher. But for our own sanity, we don't use 4-year-olds who routinely reject cookies as a yardstick for what is delicious. Here we go. Roasted squash and tofu with ginger and garlic. This serves 2 to 4 takes 45 minutes, and the source is Diana Henry's From the Oven to the Table. The book focuses on what we call sheet pan meals, but large sheet pans aren't as much of a thing across the pond, but roasting dishes, a little bit smaller, are. Nevertheless, I tried to squeeze this onto one large half sheet pan versus the two baking dishes she suggests in the book, and my tofu didn't come out very crisp. So if this doesn't bother you, then squeeze away. Please read. To ensure this recipe is gluten-free, use soy sauce or tamari labeled clearly as gluten-free. To make this dish vegan, use sugar or another sweetener instead of honey. For this, you'll need 14-ounce package of extra-firm tofu, 2 pounds of winter squash, such as kabocha or acorn, three tablespoons of honey or brown sugar, see note, one-third cup of soy sauce, see note, one-half to two teaspoons of crushed red pepper flakes, or to taste, one-inch piece of fresh ginger peeled and finely grated, seven tablespoons of vegetable or peanut oil divided, kosher salt and freshly ground black pepper, six garlic cloves very thinly sliced, one tablespoon of toasted sesame seeds, two scallions trimmed and thinly sliced on the diagonal, and juice of half a lime. Drain your tofu and remove as much water as you can. There are two easy ways to ensure that your tofu gets as crisp as possible, but the first requires advanced planning. The first is that a dear reader has been pressing it. Get it? Sorry. Just trying for years. And freezing it. You can freeze your tofu as soon as you get home, still in the package, or already drained. 
Once defrosted, it easily shakes off all of its water. You'll want to blot it though. And it even has a lovely texture, but this requires a little more planning. The second is a little faster, but some say less effective. Place your block of uh, tofu on a few layers of paper towels with more towels over it and even a tray or plate on top to weight it and set aside for five minutes or until needed. Next, heat your oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Cover one to two baking sheets with parchment paper for easy cleanup. Prepare, prepare the tofu and vegetables. Cut the tofu into one half inch slices and then in half again. Have your seed your have and seed your squash. I like to remove the seeds with a metal cup spoon, which makes it much easier to get it clean. Cut the squash into one half to three quarter inch thick wedges. If you're using two pans, you can arrange the squash on one and the tofu on the other. If you're using one, try to puzzle piece them together as I do above. It will be a little bit more snug. In a small bowl, whisk together the honey or sugar, soy sauce, pepper flakes to taste, ginger, and four tablespoons of the oil. If you're using two pans, pour two-thirds of the marinade over the squash and one-third over the tofu, and turn each slice of squash over gently to coat it on both sides. If you're using only one sheet, then use all the marinade coating the squash and tofu together. In all cases, season the squash and tofu with salt and pepper. Next to cook, you're going to roast it for 15 minutes, then using a thin metal spatula, turn the squash and tofu chunks over. In a small bowl, combine the remaining three tablespoons of oil with the garlic and spoon this over all the squash and tofu. Return the pans to the oven and roast until the tofu is dark and the squash is completely tender, about 10 to 15 more minutes. You can serve directly from the pan or arranged on a serving plate. Scatter with sesame seeds and scallions and squeeze the lime juice over. It sounds absolutely delicious. I'm going to definitely try that recipe sometime. Next, cabbage, apple, and walnut salad. Today might have started off as pie for breakfast day, but I think we all know that the day after Thanksgiving is all about detox. Away with the heavy cream. Be gone, you cheesy grottens. Skedaddle, you deep, gooey casseroles. Sticky sweet yams topped with charred marshmallows and green beans with fried onions. Please don't make me eat that butter and drippings laden gravy again, at least until tomorrow. Detox Day deserves its own dish, and though it's a, bad, it's a tad late to get this one in for dinner tonight, I would like to offer up this cabbage, apple, and walnut salad as the antidote to the meal that sent us back to the store for more butter and cream, not once, but three times. Gasp my arteries! This salad is perfect. It has all the flavors of the season, but also a crunchy healthfulness, so missing from the week's main event... Oh, and also that slice of pie we know you're having for dessert anyway. Here we go. For detox, cabbage salad with apples and walnuts. This is adapted from Chez Panisse Fruit via Cookstar. The salad is great as it is, but I'm already itching to hack the recipe. I'd imagine that some snipped chives or perhaps a pinch of fresh dill would be great, or maybe some diced celery or maybe even a tablespoon of creamy horseradish swapped for the creme fraiche. 
This recipe is infinitely tweakable. It serves six. You'll need one small Savoy cabbage, one third cup of walnuts, two tablespoons of cider vinegar, one tablespoon of lemon juice, salt and pepper, one half cup of olive oil, two tablespoons of creme fraiche or heavy cream, we used sour cream, two apples, any kind, any crisp, tasty eating variety such as Sierra Beauty, Granny Smith, or Fuji, one third cup of crumbled blue cheese, this is optional. You're going to preheat the oven to 375 degrees Fahrenheit. Tear off and discard the tough outer leaves of the cabbage and then cut it in half and cut out its core. Slice the halves crosswise into a fine chiffonade. Toast the walnuts in the oven for 8 minutes and while they're still warm, first rub them in a clean dish towel to remove some of the skins, then chop or coarsely crumble them. To prepare the dressing, mix the vinegar with the lemon juice, some salt, and a generous amount of pepper. Whisk in the olive oil and then the creme fraiche or cream. Taste and adjust the acid and salt as desired. Quarter, peel, and core the apples. Slice the quarters lengthwise, fairly thin, and cut these slices lengthwise into a julienne. Toss the cabbage, apples, and walnuts, and blue cheese if you're using it, with the dressing and add an extra pinch of salt. Let the salad sit for five minutes, taste again, and adjust the seasoning as needed, and then serve. That sounds delish. Next, we're going to go, I believe these recipes come from um, Australia, and it's from delicious.com. Move over two-minute noodles. This beef and udon dish will make your evening. Sesame beef with gochujang udon noodles. The ingredients for this, 400 grams of skirt beef steak, two teaspoons of sesame oil, 400 grams of udon noodles, 50 grams of unsalted butter chopped, 150 grams of mixed Asian mushrooms sliced, one quarter cup of gochujang, which is Korean fermented chili paste, one tablespoon of tomato sauce, 120 grams of baby spinach leaves, one bunch of broccolini cut in half on the diagonal and blanched, and then chopped nori and toasted sesame seeds to serve. First, you're going to place the skirt steak on a large oven tray, season with salt flakes, and drizzle with the sesame oil. Leave steak to stand at room temperature for 30 minutes or until the fridge chill has gone. Cook the udon noodles according to packet instructions, reserving one cup or 250 milliliters of the noodle water. Heat a lightly greased barbecue or char-grilled pan over high heat and grill the steak for three to four minutes on each side until cooked to your liking. Remove from the heat and rest, loosely covered with foil for 10 to 15 minutes. Meanwhile, heat half the butter in a large non-stick fry pan over medium-high heat. Add the mushroom and cook for two to three minutes until golden. Remove and set aside, and then add the gochujang and tomato sauce to the pan and cook, stirring for one to two minutes until the gochujang is slightly caramelized. Add the noodle water and bring to a simmer 
cooking for two to three minutes until the liquid is slightly reduced. Add the noodles, spinach, and remaining butter and stir until the spinach is wilted and the noodles are coated in the sauce. Divide the noodles among serving plates and top with sliced steak, broccolini, mushroom, and nori, and then sprinkle with sesame seeds to serve. Next, also from Delicious, we have a recipe for tuna and caper pasta with crispy breadcrumbs. I thought this sounded different and quick and easy. So you can make the most of canned tuna with this fresh and easy pasta dish. The ingredients are 150 milliliters of extra virgin olive oil, one cup of coarse day-old breadcrumbs, two teaspoons of dried Italian herbs, two garlic cloves, finely chopped, two teaspoons of fennel seeds, one-third cup of capers in vinegar drained, one-half teaspoon of chili flakes, three 95-gram cans of good-quality tuna in oil, finely grated zest and juice of one and a half lemons or more to taste, and 300 grams of angel hair pasta cooked to packet instructions. Heat half the oil in a nonstick fry pan over medium heat. Add breadcrumbs and dried herbs. Cook, stirring for four to five minutes until crisp and golden. Transfer to a bowl and set aside. Wipe the pan clean and return to medium heat. Add the remaining 75 milliliters of oil, then add garlic and fennel seeds. Cook, stirring for two to three minutes until fragrant and garlic has softened. Add the capers, chili flakes, tuna, and tuna oil, lemon zest, and juice, and stir for one minute to heat through. Then you're going to stir the pasta through the sauce and season and scatter with crispy breadcrumbs to serve. Sounds delicious. Our next recipe, also from Australia, I believe, is for, it says, make the most of tomatoes with the summer pee dish, P-I-P-I. And this is peepees and spicy lemongrass tomato broth. I had to look up pee-pee, and it means clam. So um, I love clams, and this looks absolutely delicious in this fry pan. So the ingredients for this is one-third cup of vegetable oil, four eschalots, thinly sliced, four garlic cloves, thinly sliced, one lemongrass stalk, halved and bruised, two kaffir lime leaves, five-centimeter piece of ginger, thinly sliced, five centimeter piece of galangal, finely grated. Again, this comes from, I believe, the land down under. (laughs) And one half bunch of coriander stems, finely chopped, leaves picked and finely chopped. One long red chili, finely chopped, plus extra to serve. Two tablespoons of fish fish sauce, two tablespoons of sambal oilek, O-E-L-E-K, 500 grams of ripe tomatoes, finely chopped, 200 grams of grape tomatoes, and one kilogram pot of uh, pot-ready peepees purged, and lime wedges to serve. So we'll get a little bit of a different culture today, especially with these ingredients too. A lot of these I wouldn't even know where to find, but it sounds really good, and we can modify. 
First, you're going to heat the oil in a wok over high heat. Add eschalot, garlic, lemongrass, lime leaves, ginger, galangal, coriander stems, and chili, and cook for five to six minutes or until caramelized and fragrant. Add the fish sauce, sambal olek, and tomatoes, and cook for six to eight minutes until softened and juicy. Add the peepees, also known as clams, covered with a lid and cook for six to seven minutes until the peepees have opened. Discard any unopened peepees and serve topped with extra chili, coriander leaves, and lime wedges. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.